Louise McSharry on 2FM. It is time for us to talk about the news and we are lucky enough to be joined by Aoife Moore, political correspondent for the Irish Examiner. Hello, Aoife. Good morning. Just Hi. when you said soul wax there now, it reminds me so much of sixth year. I used to go out every Saturday night to a club called Sandy Nose and Dairy and we only listened to soul wax and I think that's the first <laughs> time I've heard them in years. You only listened to soul wax in the club or before you got it there? It was like, my friend was the DJ and we were all just fully obsessed with soul wax. <laughs> it must have been really annoying for the bar staff. <laughs> well, I don't know. It could be worse. The soul wax is, uh, is not a bad thing to have to listen to a lot of. Um, yeah, I... I I, yeah, I've seen them a few times live. It's so good. They're so good. Anyway, you and I have a job to do here, Aoife, and it's not to talk about soul wax, unfortunately. Um, let's talk, of course, let's start our news <laughs> review by talking about COVID-19. Where are yes. we? Yes. Okay, I actually have good news this week. Last week, I was like, I don't want to say too much. I don't want to give people false hope. But this week, okay, so we'll go through the numbers. So the cases are still pretty bad. We're at 700, just over 700 cases a day. And still an incredibly high and devastating amount of deaths. I think we had 29 deaths um, yes, reported yesterday. So they're still incredibly high. However, um, Dr. Ronan Glenn, the Chief, Deputy Chief Medical Officer, has said that we have good reasons to be hopeful. And he hopes that we could be in a good place by the end of the summer. So... The vaccinations are rolling out. Um, I know everyone wishes they were going faster, but we do know that there are now there is now clear evidence that the effect of vaccination has taken hold in residential care facilities and nursing homes, mm. which is amazing because everyone's biggest concern was obviously the nursing homes and healthcare workers, mm. and we've seen. Um, among healthcare workers, infections have fallen by ninety three percent from mid January. It's almost so like the vaccine it's, works. <laughs> it's it's almost as if like the light is at the end of the tunnel, yeah. and yeah, and it's we're seeing even better than that because in the north they had their half a million people milestone yesterday, and they're seeing like really really good um, results from that. And shout out to my mommy who is listening, who got vaccinated this week. Woo-hoo. Shout out to Lorraine. Yeah, Lorraine. Um, so yeah, we. <laughs> We have reasons to be hopeful this week. You know, if everyone, they're basically saying like, just hold tight a few weeks longer. And as the vaccinations kind of roll out, you know, we're starting to see cases go down. Nurses and doctors can get a bit of breathing space. And, you know, by the end of the year, we should be somewhere near normality. That is good. That is good. We all that need is to good. just take that in. That is good news. That is all positive and we can actually somewhat rely on it, I feel like. that's. I think the problem is every time we've been given a glimmer of hope, it's kind of been taken away from us. But like there totally. is, without a doubt, going to be improvement over the next <laughs> some some <laughs> unknown period of time. And that is enough for me today, okay? Yeah, I mean, we all are really appreciating the little things these t- these days. And this, to me, is a little thing that'll go a long way. There Absolutely. is hope. Absolutely. Um, so tell me about the Leaving Cert. What's going on there? My God, I have never known a people so obsessed with one exam in all my life <laughs> because I'm... A- <laughs> I'm a stranger in a strange land down here. Like, there is not this much talk about the GCSEs and the A-levels in the Northeast. You're obsessed with the Leaving Cert. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so we know that you can either go with calculated grades or you can sit the exam. So basically, this is for the people who decide to sit the exam. They're trying to take the pressure off, which I think is a good thing because we know, you know, school has been totally messed up this year. So basically, you'll do a maximum of three hour-long tests 
um, as part of the assessment process and it'll have less questions and you will have one week to do it and it'll and review it at a later stage when it re when school reopens in late April early May mm. and similar to the calculated grades that they're doing the assessment model used last year is that there you the teachers are advised to you consider a range of different sources um deciding on the students assess grades and this includes you know in-class assessments the end of topic tests oral assessments presentations project work and coursework so basically it's just if you decide to do the exam obviously it has to be done safety and I think it's like a measure of soundness that they're basically saying well we're not going to make you do a full even cert that you would have done in regular times even though you're choosing to do it because yeah. you just haven't had the class time yeah so I think people who were thinking oh I don't know if I'd be able to do a full even cert this year I might just go for the calculated grades when they see this they might think eh, well you know you get the highest mark anyway yeah so it's not going to do you any harm yeah it seems so, to me that the, the teachers have really fought for the students um you know to try and get them the most fair scenario and that's that's great to see and hear um now this is also good news let's talk about direct provision yes this could be the best news <laughs> of this government to be honest like I have a piece in the examiner today that talks a lot about this but basically there is a new white paper presented by the children's minister Roger Gorman and the communities minister Joe O'Brien and it's a white paper to end direct provision so direct provision for anyone who doesn't know is how we house asylum seekers while they are attempting to get a status to stay in Ireland Basically, the current system is um, a for-profit. It's run by private companies and it has you know, been mired in problems the last 20 years. So this white paper is basically a roadmap of how we're going to end direct provision. There's a lot of focus. I spent a lot of time yesterday reading it because it's the excitement of my job of reading white papers. But basically, the focus is that we can't just you know shove people into these cramped you know old hotels that are no longer hotels and like we have families living you know on top of one another with mm. other families some people can't cook for themselves so basically the plan is that you should spend no more than four months mm. in one of these centers and then you'll be moved out after that into the community wow and they're going to build a range of centres um, they're not going to use say like the old there's like the old Mosney centre and stuff um, they're going to move away from that and they're going to build new uh, purpose-built centres that you have your own front door and your own access to like uh, cooking facilities stuff that's really important for families mm. and so it's great it could be amazing there are some issues with it Mazzy the group who represents um, asylum seekers in Ireland know they have issues with it and I think we should always be listening to their concerns because what is the point of doing these things without talking to the people it directly affects? Yeah, we want well, you to do it properly. Yeah, totally. So basically they said, this is all great. They welcome it. But for instance, it's not underpinned in law. Mm. So they've said they're going to do this by 20, the end of 2024, but there's no statutory footing for this. Mm. So if they go over time or they go over budget, there's actually nothing to stop them. Yeah, so they need a real commitment. Yeah, yeah, so there's no commitment and also it's kind of light on what they're actually going to do for people in direct provision right now. Mm. Like if you're in direct provision right now and you've been there for say six years, mm. this plan is like, oh, so I might get out by December 2024. Yeah. Like it doesn't give much hope. It's more, it seems great for people who could be coming in. Yeah. But if you're in direct provision at the minute, 
you know, you might get a driving license quicker, you might be able to work quicker, but the actual accommodation seems to be the main source of misery in this, and there's not a lot of focus about how they're going to remedy that straight away. Yeah, well, I mean, if you think about someone who, let's say, arrived in direct provision at the age of nine... Uh, they'll be an adult <laughs> you know they'll have spent their entire yeah. childhood and teens in we're in the starting system. it's been running for 20 years we're starting to see people running for election who grew up the, most of their lives in direct vision yeah. that's been running for 20 years so yeah and there are people there who've been in, been there for seven eight nine years so yeah. this is this could be the greatest thing this government yeah. ever does to be honest i really hope it works out well, we'll watch that space and now talk to me about joe biden because he got a lot of criticism this week <laughs> yeah so america just continues to to be america so basically this week uh joe biden who's now the president of america carried out his first airstrike as far as i know this is his first uh, military intervention as president he uh there was an airstrike carried out in syria they said a structure that belonged to what they said were iran-backed militia so Obviously, we know that there's ongoing tensions between Iran and America for the last, we could go back decades. But anyway, they said that um, they killed two Iran-backed fighters and it was in response to another attack where um, US targets were hit. So I think people, you know, people obviously in here especially only give this a passing glance. But for me, it was very much like there could be COVID, we could be past Trump. And stuff like this is just going to continue to happen. Mm. You know, that like, even though we're in a completely different world and a con- completely different space than we were, say, even last year, the year before, these kinds of airstrikes and military actions and stuff are just going to continue. Yeah. And uh, people are going to die. That's that's the like the that's, long that's and short stage. of it. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, talk to me about this uh, bill that has been passed in Pakistan uh, banning corporal punishment of children. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, like, I was really ignorant about this um, until I read the story. But basically, so Pakistan just passed a bill banning corporal punishment for children. So basically, it comes, there was like a number of high profile cases, which basically spurred this law on. But children were being really badly beaten in schools and mosques and workplaces. And then last month it all came to a head when an eight-year-old boy was beaten to death by his teacher in like a really religious um, orthodox school. And basically some kids uh, in Pakistan work as, you know, maids, stuff like that. So there was a wee girl who was beaten to death then by her boss. It's weird to say she had a boss when she was eight. But um, basically they passed the bill saying that there's no penalties for beating children and banning corporal punishment in informal workplaces and educational settings and stuff but it's when I was reading it the thing that stuck out most to me is like why does the worst possible thing have to happen before you decide that people deserve some rights and dignity like why did two children have to die before you you did this like surely common sense would have dictated that you shouldn't be beating children full yeah, stop it's it's wild but I mean good also I mean good yeah, yeah. I mean <laughs> The outcome is good, I guess, but a yeah. shame that it took that long. Um, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Thank you so much, Aoife, for going no through worries. those stories for us. That's Aoife Moore, uh, political correspondent for the Irish Examiner. Aoife, I'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Have Bye-bye. a great one. Louise McSherry on 2FM.